Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Paul Newman, who's the founder and CTO of Oxbotica, a startup company that has grown through to be one of the world's leading automotive driving software companies. They build software for real world applications, drawing on principles of physics, robotics and maths, AI and heavily involved in the mining industry. Um, Paul's a creator, pioneer, and innovator of autonomous vehicle technology. Um, he's the CTO of Oxbotica, um, also holds the uh, holds BP, the Chair of Information Engineering at the University of Oxford, and he's also the Director of Oxford Robotics Institute. Um, I thought it'd be good to get Paul onto the podcast to show us a little bit more in depth around the technological advances in automation within the mining industry. So let's get straight into this and welcome Paul to the podcast. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. No worries. Appreciate appreciate you uh, taking the time up to uh, to uh, give our audience a little bit more um, in-depth knowledge of obviously around your specialisation. So before we kick off, can you give our audience a, um, a brief background of yourself um, yeah. how you obviously got into robotics, maybe from when you started studying at university and just yeah. a brief overview of your career. Yeah, sure. Um, well, thanks very much for that. So, so I'm, I'm Paul Newman. I'm the CTO and uh, founder of Oxbotica and I'm a field roboticist. So I've right. been working in robotics since about 1996 when I rocked up in Sydney uh, to do my PhD at the Australian Centre for Field Robotics. And at that time, we were thinking about automating mines up in Port uh, in Mount Isa and Port Botany for shuttle carriers. And I've always been really interested in uh, autonomy of big machines. Yeah, so how can you take a big machine, write software that makes that machine really smart and makes it do something for you? And ideally, without depending on any infrastructure externally. So can you use a computer with some software and some onboard sensors to have the machine do something useful for you. And in Sydney, I was working in subsea vehicles um, uh, as a team. We're also working on, on mining and port automation. Uh, I came back to the UK after finishing there about 2000, worked in the subsea industry, then went over to MIT uh, doing uh, postdoc and research scientists out there. And then I came back to the UK um, and became a professor at the University of Oxford. And in about 2014, uh, span out Oxbotica with my colleague Ingmar Posner. And Oxbotica makes software to change the way that goods and people move, right? So we're not doing any hardware, it's pure software. And we're really good at the algorithms that machines know four things. Where am I? What's around me? What should I do? And what should I share? And with those four things, you've got the pillars of autonomy. And what Oxbotica does is make the autonomy systems that let vehicles do more by having those four competencies. Where am I? What's around me? What should I do? And what should I share? And we are exploiting that in several domains because 
what we've really made here is something called universal autonomy. Because we haven't said, let's build a taxi company. No, I won't do that at all. <laughs> haven't said, let's build something for shipping or for ports. We've said, whatever the vehicle shape is, if it's got some cameras, a radar, perhaps some laser and a computer, we can have that vehicle be autonomous. And so the cool thing about that for mining is there are so many different kinds of vehicles out there that could benefit from autonomy, from a safety perspective, from efficiencies perspective, from working where humans can't work because it's so filthy and so dusty, you no know, laser systems work. And of course, for any kind of vehicle, so not just the big, you know, 300 ton vehicles, but your, your utes and your F-150s and your Hiluxes or your spreaders or your water trucks, any of those are in scope because software is what makes vehicles smarter and, and that's what we build. Yeah. So what's the makeup of the company? So we're just about to broach 200 people. We're based in, uh, in Oxford and in Toronto. And we've also got an outfit in uh, Colorado. Uh, likely setting up in Australia soon. Um, we've got a really uh, awesome mixture of, of people. We've got people from the mining industry. We've got people from the auto industry. We've got a lot of um, algorithmic people in there. And then some pro people from, for example, the games industry. So the games guys make our simulators. So we've got a really nice uh, full uh, uh, body physics simulator where we can simulate um, data from vehicles, interactions with vehicles, run autonomy in the loop, load data in from mine sites, uh, and then run autonomy in it as well. So um, it's a really interesting mix, the kind of people that we've got. We've got some, uh, but fund fundamentally, I guess you would say we've got software engineers, systems integrators, and then testers, okay? And we do have a fleet team who are awesome. We have a small fleet that we run on different kinds of vehicles, but fundamentally what we sell and license is a software that lets your vehicle do more. And here's a really cool thing, right? Because it doesn't have to be full autonomy. It doesn't have to be drive around, right? It could be, I would like to be able to see better through dust using millimeter wave radar. I would like to be able to not have to use a GPS to know where I am. Um, I would like to know that there's something in front of me before I start my truck up or before I reverse. I would like to be able to differentiate between, you know, our, our, I would like to be able to know that the burns are eroding. I would like to be able to know that that pothole is changing. So the interesting thing about our, our products is that you don't have to have the whole thing. It's designed to be modular so you can take parts of it and it's super low energy. So we thought very hard about that because it's a really big deal, right, to say have the whole autonomy system, the whole stack, including the, the mine management, the FMS. Um, that's too much um, for some people. So it's interesting. We sometimes think about this thing as being a Russian doll. The, they've got the full product, this is everything, but then you can take the dolls apart and there's more smaller parts inside. And uh, yeah, an interesting thing on that is, I think that's really important when we start thinking about open autonomy, which is what we're working with, with, with Wenko on, um, in that we think that you should be able to sensibly ask to have different components of the next gen vehicle software and vehicle integrators should be able to put those things together in the way that works for them. Um, so oh, we would like to have the perception system that combines computer vision and laser or computer vision and radar. I would like to stick that with a vehicle controller from company Foo. 
Um, we think that's really important. So we're very open about the interfaces between the software components as well. So we're very happy to share. Here's how you here's how you interface to that. This is the data that it sends. This is the data you must send to the vehicle planner. This is what it sends back. These are what log files look like. And we're very up for sharing that as we build an ecosystem. So we think we think that's a really fantastic way to to have the future of autonomy because there's so much various. There's so many different kind of mine sites. Like there's so many off-road sites. I mean, we're not just talking about mining here. We're talking about anything off off-road. Uh, there are so many variations of, of, of vehicles and interplays and sensors, and it just seems so sensible to be able to offer people the ability to build their systems. And of course, we'll get in there and help say, actually, you should architect it in this way from the safety perspectives. Of course we will. But we're trying to say there's a third way. You've already got the vehicles. You've got the site. You like your vehicles. They're working for you. Would you like those vehicles to do more for you? Would you like them to be safer? Would you like to be able to run them cheaper? Would you like to not always have to have a driver in there? Would you like to have greater flexibility? And our answer to that is yes, you can talk to us yeah. about that as part of an ecosystem. So that's kind of our play. That's kind of our vision. Yeah, no, no it seems uh, it seems seems very complex. So is your software, obviously your software goes into vehicles. It also may be come from a centralized point i.e. you've got an office that has a centralised point and all the software is out in the vehicles. Is, does your software go into any other types of equipment other than vehicles? Well, we have a cloud-based offering. Yeah. Um, so we see, we call the vehicles the edge, right? Because they're, they're out there and there's the compute. But we've got a whole suite of software that is about how do you manage and deploy and learn from autonomy deployments, right? So in there would be the simulation. So I've got my mine site, um, uh, load the topography of, of that thing in, load the appearance and say, okay, here's how my autonomy system works here. There was an incident, stopped, replay it, that, that's all there. We've also got the data ingress facility as well. So how can you interface to whatever autonomy system that you want and ingress all that data, manage it, label it, learn from incidents, and that taps into the insurance side of things as well. So in the sense that, yeah, it does, because it goes into computers on the vehicles, but then there's also a cloud-based edifice around it as well. And that, for example, is where we interface to, um, to an FMS. So, you know, with our friends at Wenco, they're controlling vehicles from Canada, uh, and our vehicles are over here in the UK, and they can't tell the difference if it is uh, actually our simulator running the mine or actually our vehicles out in a quarry. So it's it's the same thing. So that's yeah. kind of cute. And that's done through our cloud interface. Yeah. Obviously, you're talking about mine operations. Is your software used in, say, early exploration? And do you have sort of products and services or your software goes into... Um, no, not so much. No. Okay. I mean, mostly we're talking about... And I can't tell you who we're working with, but we're contracting with several players at the moment. Um and, and that's about for operations mostly. So, so less, okay. I mean, and that's just simply because they're where their interests are. I mean, hmm. if you wanted to have a smart vehicle, then, then our software uh, would work for that as well. Um, and we would stand up a team dedicated to each partner. So we've got, we've got this idea of one, you know, we have one product, right, which is the autonomy suite. Okay. And then for the different partners and different routes to market, we stand up a commercial team around them, but it's the same product. And here's what's really amazing. The software that we run in Quarries or Mines is the same software that we're running around central London. Right, okay. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. Because it's got to do the same stuff. Where am I? What's around me? What should I do? Now, so turns out that, you know, um, 
uh, East London's a lot more complicated than uh, some of the off-road sites, but you still got to do the same stuff, right? Yeah. You still got to be able to perceive in crappy conditions. It's busy, although you know mine sites tend to be less busy than um, than central London, but it's still the same thing. And here's what's really amazing is we can take the learnings that we get from running on roads. For example, uh, we are now a supplier for autonomy system for shuttles in cities, right? Same problem, low energy, um, fairly slow speed. We can take those learnings and directly apply them to the mining problems. So that's quite interesting. Still got to predict where things are going to be in the future. Um, don't need HD laser maps. Some big things. You don't need to have those those, those lasers. Um, I, I think, and and vice and vice versa. The mining stuff feeds into the on road stuff, and that's because it's to be say we see this as the same problem space. Now, what we don't do is we don't build any vehicles, so we don't do any hardware. But we do have partners we work with, for example, can do the do the drive by wire kits. Um, and, and actually looking ahead, we think that vehicle manufacturers will start to make drive-by-wire available as interfaces. I mean, this has happened in the port industry uh, already, um, where you know suppliers of vehicles have interfaces that allow the vehicles to be talked to. So we think that's likely to be um, possible. And, and you know, the retrofit market as well is quite substantial. People have bought vehicles, they're doing okay. Um, let's try and make them smarter and let's try and make them safer. Yeah. Um... So mine is obviously one of the earliest industries to adopt autom yeah. uh, automotive, automotive solutions. Um, can you talk to me through some of the solutions that are already available today and why you think the mining industry is so pioneering in this aspect? Yeah, I mean, you know, people like um, Kat and Komatsu did a fab job, right, in, in their, their automation. Um, it's been around for, you know, well over a decade now. Um, often uh, laser-based, with, with Velodyne lasers and, and GPS-based. Um, and I think what's great about that is it, it made it clear there were advantages for having autonomy, right? Be that from the efficiency, not just in terms of like driver out, but if you know where your vehicle's gonna be to a meter to the second, there is amazing things you can do about optimization. If you wanna have the vehicle underneath the shovel at the right time, so it's not just hanging there waiting for someone, these are good things to do. Um, and, you know, there's obviously improvements in safety, but I think, I think what that is, that's like a giant uh, Russian icebreaker saying, this is possible, opening up the playing field. But then when you look at all the other vehicles that are there, um, there are so many different kinds of vehicles. And if you think about, really mining being just a giant logistics outfit, just moving atoms, right? Moving atoms at the right time between places. There are lots of types of atoms you need to move. It's not just rock atoms. And you could move them in different shapes. You can have different sized vehicles. And I think when you look ahead and we're seeing people talking about this as if, well, if there weren't, you know, if you could have different forms of, of driver and one of them being a digital driver, you might completely change the shape of the vehicles. You know, you might say, well, instead of big vehicles, I'll have N smaller vehicles that have commercial off the shelf components. So they're, they're cheaper to fix. The tires aren't so expensive. I think, I think you can open up and there's a, there's a potential for revolution coming in all vehicles doing more in heterogeneous sites where you've got lots of different places, lots of different vehicles interacting with humans. And the vehicles themselves are smart enough to perceive properly. It knows it's a person, right? And it knows how people are going to move. It knows it's a car and it knows it's reversing. It knows that this pothole is getting a bit thick. Um, and uh, you know you, you might need to uh, drive at different speeds. Right? It knows about fuel efficiency. Um, I think that 
I, I, th I, I really do think if you, you know, there's, a, there's an evolution that's coming where it's not just a few players. You can have this open autonomy view, which is, which is really where Wenko are really, uh, are really so energetic to work with about that, about there is so much to be done in autonomy, in mining and off-road. Um, yeah. And that will probably happen before you get taxis or your own personal car with no windscreen and no steering wheel. But the tech's got to be the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, uh, what, what you mentioned is uh, when you said about the vehicle will know whether it's a person, whether it's a car. Of course. Is that because it's built in to, to understand what a human does in yeah. terms of their movement yeah. and what a car does in terms of their movement? Yeah, absolutely. And what trucks do. Um, and what they do when they're interacting and what they do as a function of where they are, right? So um, that comes in, I mean, that's interesting, right? That sort of comes into the prediction side of stuff as well. So when an autonomous vehicle is watching the world, it can maybe see 20 or 30, 40 different things moving around it. And for each of those um, agents, we call them, um, it has uh, an idea, an ability to predict what it thinks they're going to be doing uh, up to about 15 seconds out in the future. Right, so you can say, okay, so what do you think it's going to be like in two seconds time? And so I think these things are here, but you get all the possibilities of it as well. So you say, well, this car, this truck, this person, this cyclist, this pedestrian might have moved off. They might have seen you. They might be interacting with you. Here are all the different uh, possibilities. Um, and that's the prediction side of stuff. And then the planner decides what it's going to do. Of course, the interesting thing is we want to be able to perceive the world in a safe way. So we want to be able to perceive like, what am I seeing? with vision, so cameras, and radars, which just see through any weather condition, uh, through any amount of dust, and possibly LIDARs as well. So you wanna have all of those options available to you in multiplicity, so several cameras, several radars, several lasers, whatever you choose your poison to be, um, and fuse all of that information together to go, yeah, okay, that's the back end of a, of a, of a Hilux, okay? And that truck uh, is like to be slowing down because there's a junction turning up. So I better start to slow down preemptively because it's not indicating yet, but it's likely to turn. Oh, it didn't turn. It carried stuff on. Okay. And you yeah. want to be doing it. Just like you do as a human when you're driving, you've got an idea of predicting what's going to happen. And then you you make decisions about that, you know, a crossroads, they, you know, they interact and you come to a crossroad, oh, a person's creeping ahead, oh, wait. Now, in a mind, you might try to completely control that. Of course you would. Um, and another really important thing is that we don't think the software must be centrally controlled the whole time. Okay. So the vehicles must be smart enough to be able to deal by themselves. Now, obviously, to be given work, they have to connect to something that dispatches the work. Um, but really, that degree of autonomy, they must be. I mean, we, we do this all the time with vehicles on the road, right? They're not in contact with some central place. Sure, occasionally a packet gets through, but it doesn't have to be particularly high bandwidth. And very importantly, we think any comms between the vehicle and anything central should be open. Yeah. Like, have a look. Well, you know, what data do you need? Oh, oh, you want to know, you know, how the perception's going, how the localization's going, what the control's doing. Sure, we'll share that. Absolutely. That, we wouldn't share the algorithms on how it works, but that's not necessarily, that's in our black box. But the bit that allows them to build a complicated system is being open and transparent about those APIs and the data that's being sent. In fact, yes. we do a demo where we show an FMS talking to our system and you can just you can just look on the channel and you can see the messages just you can take a t of that take some of that and they you got your own copy of them that's absolutely fine you can interact with them got you and you mentioned obviously predictions so how many predictions is a for instance a vehicle how many predictions are they making every second their next move well wait, 
it. What it does is it makes the output of the thing, which we call the, the, the tracker in prediction. So the tracker takes a whole bunch of historical information and tracks things. I didn't see it on that frame. I did see it on that frame. We went behind a tree or went behind a bird and I can't really see it or something got in the way. And it produces up that the tracker says, okay, from all the data that I'm getting every second, there's a thing and it, and it sort of identifies it as an object that's moving. And then the, the prediction unit says, okay, well, given that, what's it gonna do in the future? And it, the answer to your question is, well, it's, it's, it's really infinite because it makes, the output of this thing makes, um, it, it makes a piece of code that you can then say, what's it gonna look like in 1.25 seconds? What's it gonna look like in 1.3 seconds? And it updates, that's an object, uh, a little bit of code that you can query for a time horizon and it gives you uncertainties, right? And then that gets updated, depends, at 10, 20 Hertz and another one comes out and goes, okay, I've got more information now, I'm gonna upgrade that. Okay, so now I think it's gonna be doing this. Um, and in that includes what kind of object it is, the physics of the object, how it's going to be moving. And then that gets computed with where you think you are in the world and the interactions. Like, oh, that guy's going to turn over there. It's going to miss that. So, that, so they are multitasking then? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I guess I've been working on this for 25 years. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, you know. And then decisions about, you know, complicated situations about what's it going to do. We have a facility where we'd call it remote authority, where if there's a, a situation that's what we call out of the operation envelope of the vehicle. So it goes, OK, so it has an envelope of decisions that it can make because you don't want to making arbitrary things. You have to say you can only do these things. You can change your speed. You could maybe you can move two meters to the left or to the right. So say the vehicle goes, OK, something really strange has happened here. It will, um, what it can do is it can ask for remote authority for a human to say, do you give permission to, to solve the problem, right? And that's quite an interesting for safety as well. So let me give you an example. Say the vehicle on road has come up to a really, really busy junction, right? And traffic is absolutely flying by, but one of the cameras maybe is degraded maybe. So the vehicle might say, I think I know what to do here. I've got a plan, humans, you give me permission. So that allows humans to be called in to give authority. And you don't need that all the time, but that's a really important part about thinking about how do you work with these machines whilst they're imperfect? Because there isn't a perfect autonomy system. No one really believes that. You know, we're practical people, right? We think it will get better every month. And one of the things that we, you know, we really, really stress is our update rate. So we try to update our product Ooh, four to five times a day. Right? So our complete cycle and then going through testing once a week. So we are going to go to the market and say, one of the things you get from our software is the rate at which we will change it to adapt. Right. So um, as it gets out there and you find that there are extra functionalities that are needed, there are situations where you want to learn. There might be in a mine in Chile or one in Canada and something interesting something interesting happened you go oh we can learn from that we're not allowed to push out a new change having gone through all of the testing so we borrow there very heavily from the software techniques for development from software giants like amazon and google so we model very much our update cycle on that rather than necessarily an automotive way of doing it or perhaps a mining way of doing it and the interesting thing how do you get the safety in there so what's the safety design for the safety for the testing how do you do that evaluation and that's yeah. interesting for us as well when you when you mentioned about um asking for human intervention does that mean that process slows down then 
But what happens if the decision needs to be made quickly and you're waiting for a human to acknowledge that? Yeah, I mean, look, so what I'm talking about there is I'm talking about the practicalities of um, how do you have a hybrid system where the human is remote and the machine is remote as well. So they're not, they're not co-joined. You want to have the human involved almost never. That would be the idea, right? Mm. But for the case where there is a difficulty, you don't want the human to be deciding what to do and remotely controlling the thing. You want it to very quickly go, I'm okay. I think this is what you want me to do. Yes, no, go. So what I'm saying is that we've thought about the whole system of humans plus machine to make it viable such that you can rapidly, rapidly get to the kind of um, operational performance that you need. And obviously you'd want it to not stop at all, but it would be yeah. daft to put a system out there that says it's perfect. It will never, ever, ever need a human. And we know that's not true. If you look at the autonomy systems out there at the moment, they're remote operators using MindStar where you get interventions. And the goal of autonomy is to push that to the floor. But as you start to get into more complicated environments where it's not just in the main theater, but about moving around storage and going and getting parts and water, um, you've got a whole flotilla of different vehicles that are moving. And, and you know, so I think the point here is we've thought about how does this work as a system for people and how do we support doing that? Um, yeah. And you know, we always work in partnerships. So it's not a fire and forget thing. Yeah. Um, what solutions does um, do you specifically offer in the mining autom uh, automotive space? Okay. So... What's interesting about Oxbodica is you can go 1-800-Oxbodica. We go, hey, how can I help you? What parts of an autonomy system would you like? So the, the fundamental solution is called Selenium, and that's our autonomy stack. And our cloud-based solution is called Cesium. So we have Cesium and Selenium. Our products are always named after um, elements in the periodic table. And we can now, we will then have a conversation with a partner. Say, okay, so what, what are the components you want? Are you interested in full autonomy? And almost always people say yes in the end, but we'd like to start with a program where we work through safety, augmented humans, part-wise autonomy, different vehicle types, light vehicles through to the heavier vehicles. And so the single product is Selenium, but you can take it apart and have a component. So we're talking to someone at the moment, who wants to have the perception system for autonomy, okay? And they will build uh, another autonomy system or put some pieces together with other parts there to do that. And someone else is saying, actually we'd like the vision-based localization, perception and the radar. We've got someone else who's saying, we'll like the radar. And again, they're all components of this, this, this bigger product. So if you like, you can think of it, you can kind of think of it like um, uh, a Microsoft offering, right? So if you're a big business, you can take the Microsoft 360 offering. And then you might also say, well, actually that, I also want to have distributed um, Word and distributed Excel and PowerPoint. And so you can piece together the solution that you want. Fundamentally, there's an offering from Microsoft that's a horizontal play. And you can say, I'd like the mail server with it as well, or I'd like to have a cloud offering um, and collaborative presentation making. And ours is a very similar model. So we have a horizontal play of software that provides autonomy and then it can be customized and sold in whatever shape a particular customer wants. And then we offer an upgrade path through as new stuff comes through. And all the time, what we offer is we're working on the on-road domain as well, for providing shuttles for autonomy and delivery on-road and everything that we learn there comes through into the mining offering because it's the same thing. And that really is, unique 
in doing that. So we get all the benefit of all of the people that we're working with, all of those domains going in to make our single product better for everybody because we believe in universal autonomy. Yeah. There's not so there's not a mining solution. There is where am I? There's not a yeah. mining solution. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So what what industries, and I'll take it it's probably mining, are being more receptive to you? And what industries are pushing back? And why? So we've you know we we are uh, we've targeted a series of industries that ends up with mass transportation for people in cities. Okay. So and we have supply contracts for that, and that's some years off as we as we go down there. Um, everyone off road is interesting. So for example, um, BP is one of our investors, um, and they're super super interested in autonomy. Um, and for safety and for monitoring in their off-road sites. So be that their refineries, their processing plants, the wind farms or the solar farms. There's in, there are many vehicles moving around there that could be safer, lighter, cheaper, less CO2 for doing that. So that's really interesting. So everywhere you think, I mean, genuinely, everywhere where there's a multiplicity of different kinds of vehicles moving things around, there's an appetite for, could that vehicle look quite different if it didn't have to have a driver could it be cheaper could it be safer could it have less emissions um you know can i can i have greater flexibility can i be more precise about where it's going to be and truly i say to you every single industry we've looked at someone has said yeah that sounds like of course we want to move stuff in a different way and it's software that's going to make these things move in a different way across the board you know we are uh, we were autonomous at Heathrow airport four years ago which was really amazing so it was great you know airside with vehicles moving around there we've done some ports some things some more ports now and again we can do this because you might be going how can they do all these things well we can do it because it's the, it's the same software like microsoft don't write different software for accountants Windows is the same if you're an accountant or a dentist. No. It's the same thing. Yeah, you might stick different data in your spreadsheet, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, what benefits does Oxbotica software and autonomy in a wider sense bring to the industry? Well, I, I think I think the simplicity and the openness of it. So that the fact that it's modular, that you don't have to have the whole thing, that it's a software. You choose the vehicle. You can choose what bits you want. That's really that's really um, very unique. You know, you can't be very unique. You're either, you're either unique or you're not. It, it, it's unique. We are uh, low energy, so we don't need huge GPUs. You know, our, our target is just a few tens of watts for the whole autonomy system. The perception system runs on under 30 watts and the radar runs on a one watt processor. So we really think very hard about that. I think the fact that we're a horizontal play um, is attractive because it's all vehicle types. Um, and we work with partners to help them automate their kinds of vehicles. I think we've got some very interesting things in terms of our AI as well and our, our, our way that AI interacts with the safety. So it's not a pure AI approach. We've thought very carefully about what does it mean to have a safe architecture here with different kinds of sensors. And then I think, I think what's a really knockout is the way that we can then take the compute on the edge and we can use that with our cloud-based offering to do the simulation to do, for example, data generation. So I can show you pictures of mines where we've got images of vehicles in there that are totally synthetic, that we've never made up. We've been to a few, 
we've then said learn from that and say okay so now we can generate images in this situation in torrential rain in dark where we got flare so that allows us to accelerate the testing loop as well and actually so we call that data expansion because you're not going to get the safety by running um, just waiting to run 10 million miles you need to do if you're going to be releasing software and upgrades very quickly which is what the industry wants to be responsive to that how do you fold that into the safety so we're, de we're developing some really interesting ip around that as well yeah how easy is it to implement this software into a company or into a vehicle and then also how easy is it to actually use and for a company or employees in the company to actually use the yeah. software yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's a, that's a great question. So um, we provide software and we team with partners who want to put this onto their vehicles. Typically there is an engineering company, um, you know, there's a cohort of engineers inside the people or inside the business that wants to do this, right? Because, um, you know, it's a, it's a fast moving area. So it's not like we email you a CD and then your vehicle is or something. There's, 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 <laughs> yeah. There's, 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 there's more to it than that. Um, but we have, I mean, where do we join the vehicle? We join the vehicle just above the canvas. So just above the fly-by-wire where we go, wheel count, steering, you know, are there. And then we leave just in the cloud where we say, okay, the vehicle is here, what would you like it to do? Right, which is where we can attach to another mess. And we can do anything in between there in different amounts. We, we don't mind what kind of compute architecture it works on. It doesn't need to be a particular kind of computer. It can be an x86 or it can be ARM-based. doesn't need big GPUs, depending on, you know, if, if at all, if it needs any, depending on, on what you want to do. And then we have a, a team of people that will help integrate that and build that program for autonomy. So we are program-oriented. And it is new technology. It is going to change the face of, of off-road autonomy. And so every customer is a partner. And we say, okay, so we've got a program to do this together where we'll go through steps, find out where both sides need to expend some effort or where it's going easier and get out into, into proof of value um, sites. So that's how we work. So easy, yes. Um, fire and forget, no. Um, but that's not that's not really surprising, given that you would work inside programs, because you've got to think about the whole thing as a system. Right. So from a safety perspective, it's the combination of redundancies, both in hardware and sensors and compute and actual environment and uh, installation. So you've got to think of it as a system which you have to consider the safety for as a team. Yeah. So would you obviously, like you said, you you go in, implement the, the software. Do you sit with them for a period of time or is this ongoing? And especially if it's a bigger company, they may want upgrades. They may want to do different sure. things. Do you sure. then sit with them permanently to make all these necessary changes? Yeah, that's right. And we build in the end, we would want there to be no Oxbottica employees helping because that's the idea. We want people to be able to run it by themselves. But during the programs, yes. We have engineers that support, um, you know, the flow, uh, installation, configuration, and iteration of that software. And of course, one of the things we look for is, look, we will iterate this with you, right? So, you know, you will get the benefit of this updating as fast as we need to do, which is what a scale-up can bring to this, right? So yeah. the way in which we can develop in software is so different from what people might be used to. That, that's an advantage for the speed at which we can do things. 
Yeah. Um, I've seen that you've obviously, and you've mentioned you've partnered with companies such as Wenco and BP um, recently. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what you're hoping to achieve through these partnerships? Um, yeah. And what are the next steps? And, and I can't, sadly, I can't tell you the other ones, but those are the ones that yeah, there'll be more right. very soon. Um, right. Well, um, BP were um, at the lead investor in our, in our Series B. Um, they have a giant vision um, for making places safer to work in, lower CO2 emissions, uh, and changing the industrial workplace. So uh, they have many, many off-road sites, be that refineries, wind farms, solar farms. Uh, and they also have a view to the future of cities as well. So they're thinking about what does it mean? What do future cities look like? What does BP as an energy provider, perhaps as um, a big player in mobility have there? So they've got the now of industrial autonomy and the future of cities will change. And, and they'll be part of that. Um, so Wenco um, are, are a partner in open autonomy, the big, the big push to say, let's change the way in which autonomy can reach mines with an ecosystem of, of partners. Uh, Wenco's FMS is deployed in, in uh, I believe well over a hundred sites. Um, and Oxbodica is interfacing to that FMS to provide autonomy in, in our vehicles or vehicles of some of our, our partners as well. Uh, and it's interchangeable. So, and again, that's using the open autonomy paradigm. So we, we literally joined up their FMS with our Cesium, which is our cloud-based infrastructure. And it wasn't many days to do that. And that FMS was then controlling our vehicles. Um, and for example, we're thinking about delivery. There's a, you know, a, a different business with a different FMS equivalent. They're not called FMSs. Um, in, in those places. Um, again, to the same substrate. So that's interesting in terms of, and the fact that we're working in multiple verticals, so we think of ourselves as a horizontal and software, and we intersect with different verticals, be that mining, be that ports, be that airports, be that um, uh, a parcel delivery. Um, the fact that we have those interactions keeps us honest about universal autonomy. Um, and those open APIs and how easy they are to use. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's a really challenging, but a really vibrant place to be working. So we really believe that, that you get the best for autonomy, but I'm not saying that this autonomy is always on this kind of truck. That's what we developed it for. You're surely gonna learn more by saying all the, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles that are driven in all different domains. There's something to be learned there from all of them. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, Oxbotica describes its solutions as universal. Uh, universal. Um, what does this mean and what benefits does this uh, approach deliver for your clients in the mining sector and beyond? Um, right. And go on. And I was going to also say, um, how are you able to operate in so many sort of industries with by yeah. comparison to some companies uh, such as a small team? Right. So let me answer that last one first. So yeah. we're a software play. We're not doing any hardware. So we're not trying to build our own vehicle types and we're not trying to be a B2C. So we're not trying to build a fleet of taxis and we're not trying to build a whole bunch of mining vehicles. We are, and this is the same paradigm, like Microsoft Windows you know, works if you're a dentist, an accountant or a plumber, okay? Because you kind of, the data and the actual, the actual detail of what you use it for is different, but the generic thing of, I need to be able to make files and save them and write and load pictures. Those are common things, right? So our focus is what's common between all of the industry, all industries that have vehicles that carry people or goods. And our view is that you need the software that says, where am I? What's around me? What should I do? It's common. 
right? So that's the kernel, the core thing that we work on. Now, where that horizontal intersects different verticals, we form partnerships. So in mining, we form partnerships to say, OK, so we've got this operating suite of autonomy software. Let's work together to get that onto the vehicles of your choosing. And we're not going to build the vehicles and we're not going to build the sensors and we're not going to become a mining operator. We don't become a miner. There are people who know how to do that. They're really good at that. They're called miners. So that's not where we want to be at, at all. Um, and as we're doing that, our horizontal is getting fed and nurtured and nutrients from working, for example, in the shuttles domain as well for airports, because there's still safety requirements that come through from automotive that we know about. So best standard safety requirements for automotive definitely informs best standards you want mining, but for us, it's the same product. So that's how we get this crazy ability to scale. And also we thought extremely hard about how you can use AIs to train AIs, to generate training and test data that transcend having to do um, uh, hundreds and thousands of miles per release um, on, on, on physical software. And, and really that, that, I mean, that answers a universal question as well. Like it's a universal problem. Where am I, what's around me, what should I do? I mean, I'm sounding boring because I keep saying the same thing, <laughs> but um, that's why we call it universal autonomy. Now we are not working in every domain simultaneously because we just blow up. We have so much interest. We have chosen mining. Uh, we have chosen um, some logistics, outdoors logistics, and we've chosen shuttles as key play, key verticals where we'll intersect because mining's environments in terms of the complexity of traffic and there are no four-year-olds typically in mines is, is simpler than Kensington High Street or the Champs-Élysées, okay? They're, 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 they're simpler. So they can be ordered in that sense. And of course, mining's got a rich, amazing heritage in autonomy. So miners understand that it's a program. They also understand where it leads to. They understand what the benefits are. So the kind of the case is being made. Yeah. Um, what makes your technology different to more traditional autonomous vehicle solutions? Um, and what's the importance of your software being sensor um, genistic and not relying on external infrastructure? Um, I just yeah. wonder if you can explain that in more detail. Yeah. So, look, we say we're sensor agnostic, meaning that we don't really care what sensor types are being used. We don't, you know, we can use cameras or we can use lasers or we can use radar. And, you know, typically we use them in any combination. So we're not wed to a particular kind of sensor. And that's important because the people that want to work with us may have providers of sensors or systems that are already set up to do something and they would like to leverage those sensors. So we'd like to help with that. And again, for compute, again, we don't want to have to say it has to be this kind of computer. It could be whatever computer you know, you have, so long as you've got enough compute power on there, you'll be able to, to do stuff. I think that that's a, that is a differentiator. Again, the differentiator is, um, it's not monolithic. You can have components of it. Our freedom from GPS is important. So we're not dependent on a GPS to know where we are um, at all. You, obviously, if you've got one, you can use it, which means we can work underground. We can work at cliff edges, at cutting faces, where we don't need to have line of sight for the sky. Um, and we can use that using different modalities as well. And we don't need to have HD laser maps. So, for example, the radar maps are only 10 megabytes per kilometer. So uh, there's, there's a big change there. And then coming back to the cloud stuff, the fact that we have this integrated suite of software, again, with a simulation that can simulate laser data, vision data, run autonomy in the loop. And when you combine that with our ability to synthesize test data, 
just really important. So we can say, okay, here's a mine. I'm going to synthesize a scenario. And I'm going to then say, that was interesting. Give me 10,000 copies of that in different variations that can go in part of my test rig. Um, we can say, okay, so here's a, here's a, here's a cliff face. Um, here's part of a city. Here's part of a town. Here's part of a refinery. What does this look like in pouring rain? Let's just text the perception systems against that. Is an interesting um, is an interesting proposition in terms of our ability to scale to do testing in the place of interest in that particular theatre of operation in that mine in Chile or Canada. Let's have a go and see what this perception system would be like in conditions we've yet to experience. Yeah, um, what are the next steps for the the technology and how do you see Oxbotica um, involvement and influence developing in the mining industry? Yeah, so, you know, um, thanks to our partners, um, you know who you are, if, if you're watching, um, as, as we move out, um, we will be, they are routes to, to market. Um, we will be uh, carrying on with the strengthening of, of that product placement and its use out there, getting those miles. We'll be growing. Um, we'll be growing out in North America. Uh, we might set something up in Australia uh, soon as well. Um, and, and really, like our our strength comes from the people and our partners that we're working with, for example, Wenko and, and, and our friends um, out there. As we grow, connecting that FMS with our autonomy system and deploying it as many ways as we can in those right in those right partnerships. People who say, look, we know this is coming. We want to be market leaders. We want to be at the front of this. How does this work? How can we attach to a to a scale up with the kind of energy and the and the expertise and the openness and the rapidity of uh, of iteration that Oxwatica provides, you know, and you know, we want to hear what do you, as a user of autonomy, uh, as an operator of a site, one from your autonomy system, tell us, and we'll put it in there for you. As as easy as that. Well, yeah, that's what people want, right? And yeah. it's software, so it doesn't have mass. So we want to have that conversation, and and we are, you know, agile enough to do that. Yeah. Um, Paul, really appreciate your time um, on this content. You, you can tell how passionate you are about this. And, and I take yeah. it, um, obviously, you're, you're driving the company forward. Um, and yeah, you, you, from just doing this interview, I can see how passionate you are, are about this and how you can develop and how you can help mining companies implement um, these, this software into their automation and obviously make it, make it better, make it safer more cost effective so yeah really really appreciate you uh, it's been a pleasure this being here. and thanks for your uh, question it's been great yeah no worries if our audience wants to reach out to you how can they go about doing that info at oxpotica.com or email me i'm paul at oxpotica.com yeah and are you on any social media channels at all oh yeah we're on all of them just look up oh. oxpotica and you'll see those hoops of hope that make yeah no. <laughs> there you go and, um, <laughs> yeah as you can see in the background uh for those watching on the video um we'll put all those in the show notes accompanying this uh this podcast and youtube um video um so appreciate the audience that are listening hope you got some uh, useful information i certainly did and please pass this information um and podcast on to other people you know in the industry because i think everyone will come into will come into more automation as, yep. as we move forward. Um, so it's it's going to involve more of our, automation is going to be obviously more part of our yep. lives, not just not just socially, but also obviously in the workplace. So please appreciate, share, share the video, um, like 
below. And, and again, podcast listeners, appreciate if you can um, um, tell your friends, colleagues, family about this uh, episode. I'm sure they'll be uh, sure that they'd be um, willing to listen to this and um, know more about automation. So, Paul, really thank you for your time. Um, and until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.